Hello, Internet, and welcome to the Friendship Snake Podcast. I am one of your three hosts, Wade Mariano, and I am joined here, as always, with a one... Cold-hearted snake. That's Trace Finicaro and... Snake Phil's Dumbledore. That is a Gunner Kennedy. It is a Thursday evening, actually night, about to be a Friday morning. It's been a long day for everybody, but... No, uh, it is now Friday morning. I stand corrected. It is now Friday morning. <laughs> And I uh, wanted to start off today uh, by talking about my gigantic nerddom, and specifically one of my guilty pleasures, Japanese animation. And uh, I've liked Japanese anime for a long time. Gunner actually was one of the people that got me into it. Um, but I always wondered why it struggles so mightily to make its way or get a foothold in uh mainstream American culture, television, place and whatnot. I mean, when I think back of when I was a kid, all the cartoons I watched, you know, were, they had some sort of violence typically in them. Um, interesting kind of characters, I guess. But, uh, you know, I feel like Japanese animation takes that to like a 10. And yet still, it's almost kind of like a, a niche market. It's still, it's gotten bigger in the, since the, you know the the days that it kind of broke into American culture, but it's still kind of a kind of in a corner, if you will. Gunnar, what do you, what do you what do you think? What are your thoughts? Would you say it's a fair assessment? Would you say it's still relatively small, or, or I what? mean, let, let's be fair. Anime is not that popular in Japan either. It's a self-selecting thing there, and you know it, it, it's. Uh, I mean, it's always, it's always been, it's always, you know, like, it's always had this very weird dichotomy that has only gotten more dysfunctional as time goes on, and it's not, because you have, you know, you have your Venn diagram of weird-ass crap, merchandising crap, legitimately interesting, and they, they, you know, like, you can have, you can have something float in between all three of those during the course of his existence. And, you know, again, like, there, you know, like, you know, there was that weird spot, or it's just a weird spot, but the, there was, a, you know, like, again, you talk to somebody, as a person who's kind of cycled in and out, but you look at what, you look at what the, the quote-unquote anime scene is now, Versus to what we were watching when when we were in high school, and it's the you know it, it, it's there is nothing like they are nothing like each other other than the fact that it involves cartoons. So I'd like to chime in. Um, I don't get it. I do not get it. You don't so get a wait, lot of things. I am part of that statistic you're talking about. I don't understand what the big deal is. I actually know so little and I'm so confused by the um, by the people that do like anime that I had to look up the definition of it. And the only thing I could find is it's just Japanese animation. That's all anime is, right? Isn't it by definition? It's just Japanese animation? I mean, yeah, it's, it definitely has... It's Yeah, I mean, it's just Japanese animation. It definitely has its own uh, flavor... Or flair, it's not something that, and I, in my opinion, could be easily confused for American animation. Like when you're watching The Simpsons, you know it was made in America. You know what I mean? When you're watching South Park, 
you know it was made in America, maybe parts in Canada too. When you're watching something that's been produced by a Japanese company, I mean, from the technicality of it to story plots even, like it, it's, it's definitely very different. You're a great case to ask about because, I mean, you're a huge fan of sci-fi. I mean, you have a lot of respect for the, you know, the Star Treks, uh, Black uh, Mirror, you're a huge fan of, which I would harkens to the old school, like Twilight Zone. I would imagine, I would think that there's like a ton of anime like right up your alley, but you just don't subscribe to it. And I, it's a curious thing. Like, I, I, well, let's, let's, well, if it's Japanese animation, it's one thing. Like, uh, like Gem, for example, right? That show about he, the girl with big truly hair, outrageous. right? It's drawn. It's it's the it's illustrated by like a Japanese studio. That is technically, by definition, anime. So, some could argue that a lot of the cartoons that we grew up with were technically anime. And that part, I think, is pretty normal. It's just a cartoon. It's it's under a certain style, but it's just a cartoon. The part that I don't get is a lot of the big eye, um, like the Barbie doll stuff, that's the type of stuff I see a lot of people sharing on the internet. That's the part that I don't exactly get. And I realize that's not everything. But when I hear that word, that's what I think of, right? And maybe that's part of the problem, you know? Well, it's definitely, I guess, like, it's like when you say, so when you say Japanese animation, I completely understand, like, what you're saying with, like, the big eyes and the, as, you know, like, Garner would tell you, like, the waifu type. But to be honest with you, it's like, it's such a small, it's a small portion of it. It's an existing portion of it, but it's like, it's not otaku, I guess, is a word that's almost correlated with that, would you say, Gunnar? So, and maybe, you know, you, you go back to the, the, the big eyes and stuff like that. I think part of the, the disconnect, too, is that for the most part, you know, like, and actually, it's, it's very interesting that you bring that up because there was kind of this divide in the 80s that happened and you know you talk about your 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 childhood returns because a lot of them yeah they, a lot of that stuff was outsourced to Japan like Transformers is a pretty good example well right? you know actually uh yeah and it's kind of it's kind of weird because you you watch you watch how the, the end becomes the beginning becomes the end again because Toei used to do a lot of contract animation for them too and it's like you you know if you go from an aesthetic level of who did who did the best work at what points you can see where they bounced between different production studios because. You know, again, like the '80s. The '80s was the heyday of you still were doing all that work but, by hand, and you know, like you'd, you'd, so you'd, you'd have you, you know, you can say that there, there, as far as like people getting anal about distinctions, there is a difference because the ones that you're talking about were written, the the, the scripts and stuff were written by an Ameri- Americans, and. It's very much focused on an American audience and how the stories are put together, even if they're dumb. And I think part of that, like, you know, the disconnecting, like the big eyes and everything like that, because one, like, basically, the Japanese animation market has kind of been overrun by, uh, because there's actually a word for it. And because there's this whole social phenomenon in Japan right now where, um, and it kind of it bleeds it bleeds into this because 
it's you have this like whole two or three generations where big chunks of them are, are falling into what they call the the, the the neat category, which is not employed, educate not not currently employed, being educated or in training. And uh you know, again, like it's it's this it's this cultural difference between America and Japan, and that the Japanese animation market got super vicious because you know it got it got more expensive to make this stuff and like they're outsourcing it over to China and Korea and stuff like that, but it got to a point where it's very difficult to like it, again all 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 TV entertainment is a. It, pretty much consumable right so the way that the way that you got money was selling tapes doing merchandise you know i I make the joke about the body uh, you know i make i make the joke about the body pillow but yeah and it's like you either you have to chase markets and market one market was interesting people who collect objects you know and then there's just fan you know like again there's there's the fan merchandise but it's also like they're you know that that Japanese anime is written as a reality for people to retreat into, and it's not the kind of you know we're, we don't have the same you know Americans don't have the same kind of reality to retreat from that the Japanese market does. So t- today I was getting my hair cut, and I mentioned because in in, t- in in anticipation of this uh, this topic, I mentioned to my barber the word, the topic, anime. And within 10 seconds, she was talking about porn. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like, and that maybe makes people uncomfortable because when you think about little big-eyed girls who are maybe questionable uh, if they're illegal or not, that is kind of like a little subsect of it. It makes people probably very uncomfortable with it. But, you know, and again, but but, but to the flip side of that, you have stuff like... Uh, Bocano Hero Academia, you know, which again, you say that title and people roll their eyes, but it's also like weird because effectively that's what they made a Japanese anime with an English title, which is weird in and of itself. But you know, or One Punch Man or or Mob Psycho, where it's like you you, you again, it's like you you have these outfits that have been cranking stuff out for a while now and there, you know, not everything is not everything is fucking waifu Lolita Lollicon bullshit. But, but but to me, I mean, you say Punch Man or what was it? One Punch Man. One Punch Man. One Punch Man. That sounds to me like a subgenre of a subgenre, right? Because I hear One Punch Man, I think of a superhero, right? He probably has some special well, traits. Keep going, right? Actually, let's, yes, okay. let's ask the question. So, when you think here One Punch yeah. Man, what do, what do you think? Yeah, Just make it up in your head. Yes, yeah, so I'll make up. I'll make up what One Punch Man is in my head. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so I would assume that he he has some special some special trait. He could probably punch a guy, and he could probably do some great things with that one punch. But we're already in the realm of superhero, right? Or special trait? Maybe not. Maybe One One Punch Man really likes. Uh, to to mix different fruit flavors together and give everybody one glass of fruit <laughs> it's punch. Not, it's not fruit punch. But yeah, okay. it's not fruit punch. Um, but yeah, so we're already a, sh- a subgenre um, because most superheroes are based off of comic books, and not everybody likes 
comic book based shows. So you're already in subgenre territory if he's got a super skill. Now you've entered the Japanese anime. Japanese anime is a subculture. Now you could say that it's one and the same with subtitles, but not everybody likes subtitles. And from what I've been told by people who do like anime, you can't watch it translated. You have to watch it with subtitles. Well, okay, this is actually, so du- okay, dubbed and subbed are the two terms, like if you want to get into like the jargon or whatever. A dub is where, and this is actually something I really wanted to touch on, so I'm glad you brought this up. So a dub is where it's there's an English voice, a voice actor who speaks English typically, and they, you know, they trans, they say they or act out the translated lines. Now here's kind of a problem with that. Uh, some of these companies, like Funimation, takes a series like Dragon Ball Z, which is hugely popular. I mean, massively popular. One of the probably the most popular, top ten probably of all time anime, and you see it in like culture it's over 9000 is from Dragon Ball Z like you see it in memes and all that stuff but what's funny and interesting and Gunner could touch on this probably more specifically to Dragon Ball Z the characters like Funimation changed some of those lines they changed them so much that that it actually changed the characters and how the American audience perceived them um like I think like Gunner like Goku in the Japanese series in the American series, he's like Superman. He's, you know, he's kind of a, a Cham- simple-minded Cham- Superman. Yeah, D- dumbass champion of justice. But so, so can we agree that one reason it's not popular is because Americans don't really consume a whole lot of subtitled television. And if well, it's is, not subtitled, then the quality of it has gone down. Well, no, so, 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 but so that, this is variable. Because really this gets into the, 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 the fundamental problem that it's... Um, there, there's this fundamental disconnect because for the longest time, voice acting was not considered real acting. So that you know, like you had people who were like premier voice actors, like which is a diff- which is a different thing than being a stage actor. Although you ask like you know some of the big production houses and they don't get that, but. So you'd either you know so either you had two problems, which is that either they were dub they were dubbing it on a budget, and they also had people who were writing terrible script you know like doing horrible translations and bastardizations of scripts because they just you know it's the it's the Google Translate problem where it's like but, you know the the even if they got the best voice actors, it's still dubbed right you still have the problem well, the, well, where the, the mouths don't line up perfectly with the letter with, with the words well. Right, I mean that's somewhat forgivable, I would think. Well, like, and even even now, you know, like it's it's funny that you mentioned that because this gets into the whole weird weird licensing constraints and whatnot. Um, up until very recently, the tech was not there to do corrections on that kind of stuff. I mean, like you know, you talk about the as dumb as this sounds, and as much legal shit as they've gotten into because of it. Um. The the Dragon Ball Z abridged team or you know team four team four star, they go back and they actually will do mouth edits on their dubs to change the the facial the facial structure of the character to sync up with their redub of the series. And and this brings me to another point. Um, how many animations could you pull that off with? With anime, it seems like the vast majority of the scenes is a guy standing there with his mouth going from absolute closed to absolute open. It's almost like a still frame with with not a lot happening. It, 
wouldn't you also consider that as a contributing factor? I mean, that's a strange... If you think about all of the cartoons that are popular right now or ones we were watching growing up, you even go back to like a Tom and Jerry. It didn't have as much of the still frame uh, animation. So, I mean, is this consistent with all of anime or is that really a Dragon Ball Z thing? Well, I mean, or am I just a, memorizing a few scenes? And I think you've it out seen a few scenes from like the early 90s, like late 80s, early 90s. I mean, if you looked at an anime like, uh, like some of the newer stuff, like Attack on Titan, um, even Bleach, I think, you would see a significantly more frames, I guess, more frames per for movement and things like that. And it'd be, it, it looks significantly better. Like, I think, like, Dragon Ball Z is massively popular. It's something that I can say and you'll know what it is, kind of. You won't know maybe exactly everything about it, but you'll at least have seen or heard something about it. But to Gunnar's point about there being this this disconnect, right, where the you're, you're missing the tech and you're missing the voice actors... Am I wrong in my description of Dragon Ball Z saying that's the perfect candidate for this type of right? I mean, is isn't is it not the type of did I did I describe the no? And actually, wrong? It's the, to, to your, every to time your... I see it, it's like a guy standing there just opening and closing well, and opening and closing, and then he stares at somebody, and then somebody else stares back. At, like to to to, to, to your to your very bland animation. To me, but it seems like it, it, and I'm sorry to the big fans of Dragon Ball Z as well as the animators because I realize that it's not an easy task. But um, but it seems like it would it would be easier to use the tech you're talking about simply because of the vast amount of shots where you don't have somebody walking, you don't have a head bobbing. Well, and actually, the, the 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 ironic part about what you just said is that Team Four Star does exactly that for that series and they actually got their ass in a lot of they've gotten their ass in a lot of trouble with Toei on multiple occasions because what's towing Toei T-O-E-I is the parent corporation that owns the Dragon Ball franchise and they're the ones that animate it you know and again like we have we've had you know like Wade was referring to Funimation and it's 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 because Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z has actually gone through three different license holders in the states and it's one of these weird things where effectively they've had the entire thing redubbed with different voice actors like three different times and it's you know dragon ball z also had this problem where uh you know it, it's kind of it's kind of quintess it's the quintess what do they call it so there's certain genres and uh dragon ball z is what they call a shonen anime which is basically like a boys here, you know, like bo- uh, a young boy focused hero adventure thing. There's certain tropes in it, but it also has, you know, it created some of them. But part of that too was that it effectively Dragon Ball Z had the same problem that like uh, uh, Game of Thrones da- has now, where there was two options when they got to a certain point, which is that we can either go past where the book is right now. Or we can just try and pad this out so the book can catch up to what we're trying to do, and they went with they went with option B, which is that just I am very strong. You are also very strong. We will stand here and be strong together until he finishes writing the script, or we will fight and defend. And what what you just said is 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 how I watch every episode. It is two guys it talking about strong. how strong they are. It's, and that's that is a problem. Like like that's and, notori- and, Dragon Ball Z notoriously is notorious for that. It's like big battles take like. 10 to 20 episodes hence, to conclude. Hence, 
they made the abridged series, which they get their balls busted for. But it is it is it is amazing and it's transformative work because it takes it takes the piss out of itself. And what is even more weird is that if you watch, uh, so again, there there were a couple of successors. There there have been two successor series to Dragon Ball Z, and there was one called Dragon Ball GT, Ugh. which was done without Toriyama. You know the, the original I career. Sound, I assume GT is not good. Garbage. Oh, it's so not. bad. Is that what the G stands for? I don't even. What it? It is the it is the new co- it is the new Coke of 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 that of that yeah. brand. And it's basically they've forgotten, you know, other than random stuff, they've just tried to forget it ever existed. But there's a, you have Dragon Ball Super, and it's kind of weird because there's this, I don't know if it's like one of these things where the people, the people who are involved with it now, there was so much time between it that you've had a generation of new animators kind of come into the industry that get the joke, like get everything that was wrong with it, and they kind of take the piss out of it themselves or if they watch abridged, because there are moments that abridged mocked. Like, you know, basically, it is weird watching a television series by a major, like, corporation effectively doing the, the, doing the equivalent of you mad bro memes for the show that they're, for the show that they are currently working on. Like, all the stuff that people made fun of, they are deliberately referencing now in this new one. And, I mean, you know, again, there's still problems. I am very strong. You are also strong. I respect your power. Your power is great. So I am dead. So so now I need to know, Wade. Nail gun. What is, what is um, One Punch Man? Is that his name? Okay, so One Punch Man is actually taking the piss out of most of these. Dragon Ball Z is definitely one of them. But a lot of these, with these Shonen Jump. Shonen Jump is a manga company. Uh, yes. And so they're a manga company, which a lot of these anime are based off. So these all started as like graphic novels. Comic what's books. It's, it's what's like a, manga? Manga is Japanese uh, graphic novels or comic books, okay. whatever you it's, say. It's their, it's their, Cause, it's their comic form. Because I saw a manga once and it was something else, but I think it had the word adult in front of it. Yes. Yeah, so when I hear that, that word, You'll unfortunately, that. and it kind of goes back to what my barber said, it, that word brings my brain directly to... Adult films, but keep going. So it was originally. So it was um, One Punch Man. Literally, his power is he kills everything in one punch. So like, it's funny because how a lot of these shonen uh, protagonists are. They're like they are super powerful and they overcome and they and they're just One Punch Man is essentially like he's so bored and upset because there's no challenge. It's just literally like the fight is over before it even starts, but it's genius because it's actually interesting. You think like it would get boring. Okay. After, okay. After one episode, what are you going to do? Like one at one punch man, he punches guys once and they die. Like they just are obliterated, but it's just so funny because they concentrate on all these other aspects of it. Like all these other like weird superheroes with weird like powers and like funny kind of personalities. It's more about like the characters and the story, I guess, than like the action. The action's great. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, one punch, one punch man has a weird like whole backstory too. Because originally it was a really rough web comic. Yeah, that, that yeah, he had good point. that he had started that he then redone as a manga, and then like all these crazy super bug fuck 
talented nutso animators all across Japan basically said, here, we are putting money together. We are, if somebody will back this, here's our pile of money. We want to make this series. Please pay, please pay us so we don't starve so we can go do this. Well, and it's 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 a love it's a love letter basically to the to, to the format. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you mentioned, um, did you say web comic? Is that the term that you use? Yes. Can we talk a bit about that too? Because anime or manga is more than just the animated. I mean, by definition, it's the animation, right? That's, yeah, well, sure. Anime is animated. The, the son but becomes the father. The father sounds becomes like the it has son. strong roots in the comics as well. And you mentioned web comics. Um, so when you talk about how popular something is, sometimes I think it's important to look at where it starts. So when it comes to web comics, uh, where do you stumble in your walking life? When do you stumble across a web comic? Is it something that you might get like a, somebody might take a picture of it and send it to you in text or an email or on Facebook? Because I don't, I've never seen I've never seen somebody actually talk about a webcomic. Is it something that's sold or is it mostly just pirated and you, you find out how to get your hands on it? Well, like with webcomics, as far as I know, and this is actually an aspect that I don't know a ton about. Gunner will definitely know more. From what I understand, webcomic, a lot of webcomics, and this is not like, these aren't the same as manga. Like you can find tons of pirated manga online. There's tons of websites out there if you wanted to get your hands on the manga series. To, to you could you could do that, but like the web comics is almost like fan created, from what I understand. Is that was that correct? Uh, you say? I, 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 they're not the same. So I mean, like there are fan there are fan comics that are done on the web, but you know, it, again, it's like there's there's it's 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 really its own it's really its own thing. Yeah, you know, you know cuz not to, not to get into the Scott McCloud the on the, on the, on the theory of comics and all that stuff. But it, it, it's you know it, 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 it's the I mean web comics to a certain extent other you know it, it's different here than it is over you know it's different here and than it is in other countries too cuz I mean like you have you have some I'm I'm going to show my age cuz I'm out of the loop cuz I don't know who the big ones are now but it, it, really there's no there's no crippling cost to getting a webcomic up now. I mean, you you know the bandwidth the bandwidth is pretty cheap. You know your your storage space stuff like that. But this was, you know, it's it's also it's also it, it's kind of like um, you know it's like people it's like people sharing their music back you know it's the people back when MySpace was a thing. I mean, and I, I guess SoundCloud and I guess SoundCloud and whatever now are kind of the the equivalents. Well, that that's but, what I think of right because. The closest thing I can relate to, because I don't know anything about anime, is what I think about when you say, "Hey, why is anime more popular in the United States?" I think because it's weird. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> well, there's some reasons, but I, what I think about is I, I, the closest thing I can relate to, and, and a lot of listeners can relate to, is um, if you just happened to get onto the Walking Dead train, right, where all of a sudden your friends are telling you, "Hey, you got to watch this show." And it's it's really good. You got to watch it, and you go and you watch it. You watch the first episode, and before you know it, you've watched the full um, the full first season. And then when you go to work and try talking to somebody about it, you get that one guy that's been following it before the show was released. Yeah, I was one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he says, "Well, you know, this is really good, but 
you got to really read, the, read comic. the comic. Yeah, you got to read the comic. And and what I noticed, at least at that point in time, and, and that show started I don't know, seven years ago, um, might be off with that. It was on a thumb drive, right? It was on a, on a USB drive. It, he, the guy had the USB drive and he was just waiting for somebody to ask. He's like, I have it. So to me, that's the closest thing I can relate to when you say webcomic is something like that. But even then, it reached popularity through video. And I would say probably got a lot of people reading the comic as a result. Which right? is also kind of horrendously unfair because he effectively, it's... Robert Kirkman there changed a whole bunch of stuff between the comic and the, and, and the TV show. Well, he had to, right? Because if if you already know the if if it was identical to the comic, then I mean the spoilers would crush it. You know what I mean, right? Like it would it would kind of take away from the series. He changed a lot of things from the comic. Characters completely different. Some of them when they die, but I think that had to do with hey, unless you want honestly to know, you know, character X actually, dies. Actually, here, here's here's actually a really, you know, you, we talk about this, we get into this. Maybe that's that's one of the biggest things too is that like it's, there's a whole, you know, like we won't get to that whole like American comic industry basically collapsing in on itself because you, you, you basically, there's only, there's, there's two major companies and there's a couple of players out on the outside, you know, like the outside that keep their. You're talking their, Marvel and DC. Yes, and, and Image then, and Dark well, Horse. Well, Image, Image is its own <coughs> Fuster Cluck, um, and you have like, uh, oh, what it, uh, is it Vision Comics or something like that? Uh, Valiant, Valiant. Okay, but there's this whole thing where like, never mind that it was a, a tortured hellscape. Designed to devour you and like convince you to start selling bone marrow and, and uh, like blood plasma to, to keep you know and twenty guys living in the same apartment trying to just keep the rats from eating them at night. But um, American comics, for the most part, has really just become a place where guys are collecting checks while they're waiting to go start write t- TV series. And it's you know like you, you see you see you see like the turn and like how that that media has come. In Japanese, you know, like you know, you talk maybe the comparative thing on the on the, in the Japanese market is that that's actually just its own end. Like I'm, I, you know, people people are still, you know, like again, it's it's got its own weirdness, and you know, people write weird waifu, poor, you know, all hentai, all hentai is manga, but not all manga is hentai. Um, What's hentai? Hentai, hentai is, is the actual the, like the, animated porn, <laughs> like like. Remember, off mic, we were talking about tentacle porn and stuff like that. Like that's tied in with like, and that's even what that, like you is. know, there's there, there's there's tiers of that too. But I mean, like, uh, as I'm gonna slaughter his name, is it Jinji Ito? The I can't. As I, as I should have a cheat sheet in front of me for thinking like we're on a radio show or something. But um, no, because it, it, again, because it, what it gets into is that um. Besides Scott McCloud really going off on tangents now and then, there is there is something unique about it as a format, like just you know the com the, the comic itself, the, the the animation, because you know every other visual medium. I mean, like you know, like it's kind of funny too because they talk about they talk about um, you know like how we have movies now and TV series, and you have the crappy CGI, and you can always spot it. 
Because really, it's that, 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 you know, it's that whole thing. When we see people, when we see the real world, we expect things to behave like the real world. And animation basically throws that entire concept out the door. So it's an, it's, it's, it's an abstraction at every level. So if you have the opportunity to be artsy-fartsy in it, you can just do stuff in a way that is just impossible to do as a filmed production. And it's why whenever we see stuff in CGI, when it doesn't break the rule, you know, like, it's this, if you see something real, you have an expectation of how something, to, something that you don't, you don't see in the real world is still going to behave. You know, like, everybody has that, like, horse sense of that's not right. And when you get to animation, all that stuff goes away. Because, you know, like, it's, it's inherently, you're watching a two-dimensional, you're watching a two-dimensional painted image just kind of do this abstract representation of movement and you know again like uh you know like it's there there's there's certain ways that stories can be conveyed that are unique to that art form and that art form alone and you you know commercialization and everything else aside like um you know, there's a way we talked. I think we were talking earlier. Neon Genesis, Ava, Neon Genesis Evangelion. That's like one of the real. That's as far as the story though goes. That's way out there. Like, and that's not the norm. Uh, well, so it, it's you know, and again, what what, what, did, what did he say? He said Neon Genesis Evangelion is is actually a a series that uh, a early nineties a series of series. Yeah. Yes. Early nineties though probably was started out. That's actually one of the ones that uh, Gunner got me into, and it is. The story is fucking weird, dude. Like it's, it's awesome. It's great. Like there's a ton of violence. Uh, there's a lot of like conflict within characters. Like it's essentially an apocalyptic type of thing, uh, type of scenario where angels are coming down and just trying to wipe out humanity. It's just a lot of shit going on. But like when I try to like compare something to something that's, I would never say. Trace, check that out. You're, there's no fucking way you're going to check that out, and it's just too. It's way out there. It's too weird. But like when I say well, that's 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 Gynax, though. That's just that. That's just that studio. Yeah, I mean, like I just I wonder, like when I think about okay, The Simpsons and uh, Family Guy, and I can name Rick and Morty. Like these are and Rick and Morty, maybe not quite as mainstream popular, but The Simpsons are super popular and South Park super popular. Rick, right? and, Rick, Rick and Morty's Rick and Morty, up there now. And Mor- no, it's yeah. getting Mor- there, right? No, but also yeah. I, th- I think that Rick and Morty is entirely an adequate correlate. Like, hey man, go go check out Adult Swim. You know, it's like uh, uh, Adventure Time might be a little rough to jump into. But but to me to me Rick and Morty well first of all Rick and Morty it definitely it really does Rick and Morty really does appeal to a certain type of person I feel um, they have the, the the different dimensions and they have I believe they have time travel and um, you know they get, you got the the crazy grandpa that's always drooling and you got his grandson but it's a very specific genre of person that it that that it applies to. What's, what's when I hear the word anime though, it's like it's already been categorized before I've heard about the show. 
why does it have to be called anime? Yeah. I wouldn't go to you and say, hey, you totally got to watch this cartoon. It's about time travel, right? I would be like, hey, have you have you seen Rick and Morty? I wouldn't preface it with with this 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 subgenre. Right? It's, our, it's it's a cartoon, and then it's a subgenre of cartoon. Like, why does anime have to come across as anime first? Why does the fact that it was that it was written and and animated in Japan have to come before the content? Shouldn't the content be what we're talking about? And actually, shouldn't here's... it be Walking Dead that we're talking about and not? Um, hey, I there's this really cool uh, zombie comic book that's turned into a show that was written in America. You know, and that's guys, maybe therein lies the difference. Is it just the cultural, the cultures are so different that they can't reconcile that? The only certain, well, but my question is well, why can certain people reconcile well, I'm it? I'm watching Apple and Onion right now on Comedy Central. I don't know if it was written in America, but it definitely has British voice actors in it. Yep. So it, I, well, it, does it have to be? Has, British animation has its own like whole history too. I mean, like, I, you know, Danger Mouse, Count, Count Duckula, oh, Duckula those guys. Man. Yeah. Banana Man. <laughs> but are they ever introduced as British animation, or is it just a show? No, but if they're Western. Say, I mean, we're talking like on the other side of the planet. It has its culturally very it, different but things, yes, right? Because like actually, and even that, like you get into this weird like uh, there's there's different flavors, and it's also like one of these things where like I think maybe Japanese animation kind of gets flack just because it's the only thing that's left its home country. You know, like you know, France has a ridiculously involved animation industry you know like they're 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 just as prodigious you never watch you know like i mean like we we get some stuff over here but that's just because like some company licensed it and they it was because it was already produced and they had to fill in a, a block and even that like it's it's also one of these things where effectively you kind of have to seek this stuff out now because cartoon network is the only like main channel in the united states that like Broadcast this stuff anymore, and they and only Cartoon- and they only show Teen Titans Go. Yeah, and no, even, I mean, even, 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 back even, though, right? no, but even the executive management of Cartoon Network hates fucking cartoons. <laughs> I mean, like, this, this, you're not really setting that environment up for success now. They they did bring Toonami back though, no? Uh yeah, but it, you know, but it's also like that that kind of moved past us, man. We're, we we aged out of that. We're not cool no more. And besides, it's really just an ex- it's an excuse to get Tim and you know Adult Swim is just an really really it's just an excuse to fund Tim and Eric and all the all those other weird oh they what's his face uh, why can't I remember his, was it Andre um oh uh, Andre why did you make me t- yeah <laughs> and that's just but that's like that's it's another it's it's shock comedy and shit I mean I, it's interesting I find it but like Tim and Eric. Sometimes that shit's just too much. Like one episode's fine, that's good, and it's funny, and I, I laugh sometimes. But it's like other times, it's just you know, it, it's over the top, and you almost know it's just going to be some random kind of nonsense. But I guess like I always just it's difficult for me to understand because I love Japanese animation so much. Why it just can't catch on with certain people significantly? A, a lot of people in America like. You love the fucking Simpsons. You do realize, like, it's a completely animated series. What is the difference? And the only difference I guess I can find right now is it was written and produced in America. Or it's not introduced as, like, a genre. It, 
if somebody came to me and said, you have to watch this, I would. And it's happened with movies, right? Sometimes you, you're told to watch a movie. Um, I have, to, no, I have but, a hard time actually, thinking of a, you, of a famous you, subtitled movie. Um, maybe Crouching Tiger. Tiger, Hidden Dragon, yeah. sure. So somebody comes to you with, with, with a subtitled movie. They don't tell you it's subtitled. Oh, bullshit. They definitely tell you it's they subtitled. They don't tell you, hang on, they don't tell you it's subtitled right off of the bat. They say, hey, you know what? That scene was ripped off from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Have you seen that movie before? It's not, hey, there's this subtitled movie that they ripped off. But with anime, it's always, it's always you always have the word anime before, and it's probably twofold. It's probably a little bit of pride, right? Because like you said, it has, it has, escaped, um, has escaped the country. But at, at the same token, that may be the very reason why people... They have this pre, they like I do. They have this this predetermined notion of what they're going to be getting themselves into, and it's it's like an all or nothing thing. I don't know anybody that watches only one anime show, right? Everybody that I know that talks about anime, they watch like ten, ten anime shows. That's that's something like it's like saying I only like I have a skateboard, but. I, I only I only ride it you know across the street once in a while. You either ride a skateboard or you don't ride a skateboard. You don't decide to jump on a skateboard just to go a few feet just because you felt like it. You can, but you don't. I don't know anybody that's into anime that is not friends with other people that are into anime that watch several shows. Well, I mean, you watch several shows too. Like you watch Black Mirror. You watch. Go ahead, name them. What else do you watch? <laughs> a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of people consume different shows, right? Like that's kind of the interest. Maybe they don't with such. Maybe they don't watch it with such veracity. But you have to understand, like the anime scene, why there are so many people watching so many different anime. Sometimes these things go for twenty four episodes, and that's it. Like uh, Attack on Titan went for like one season and we you had to wait three years for the next season to come out like it's not like a television show where writers write the shit and then the actors act it it's like a lot of these are based on the manga and sometimes the manga is not written yet or sometimes you need to you know what i mean so it's not exactly kind of in that same vein i guess like it's not entirely like that but you're i definitely will say you're right like i'm i'm like watching like there's probably like 14 different anime on my Crunchyroll queue. <laughs> and, and for those that don't know what Crunchyroll is, I had to learn this on my own as well. Um, it's it's the station, right? It's the streaming station for it's getting content. It's the Netflix content, of right? anime, essentially, yeah. I would yeah. say. I mean, yeah. like, you know, you have, you have Funimation has its own, you know, like there, there's a couple other ones, and Funimation basically has its own in-house service. But yeah, Crunchyroll is the... Is the, the the one stop, at least at this point. You know, I mean, like actually, what the hell they're they're paying for their own original programming now too. But it it it's, you know, that and um, Crunchyroll's uh, quality standards tend to be a little bit better, give or take. They do get a lot of the. I will definitely give them credit. There's some. There's some straight shit on there. Well, you know, but that's because people people enjoy straight shit. Yeah, but there's also Prince, I mean, Prince, of Stri- <laughs> Prince of Stridu. A lot of the newer stuff, and they're actually getting some older stuff. Like Black Lagoon just got on there, which is awesome. But a lot of the newer, like really good anime, 
um, the stuff that's hot in Japan right now, they're getting like they're getting pretty much all of it. Like they're getting a, a, a lot of it, you know. And, and it's a great service. It's a great, you know, for people that like anime. It's an awesome. It's an awesome service. Well, speaking of a service, maybe we should do a little justice to anime. And if you guys were to pick top three, top five, top ten anime shows for those out there listening and they're thinking no fucking way i am not subscribing to Crunchyroll, um but maybe they are maybe they'll they're fine downloading one um legally or otherwise maybe there's some on netflix that they can get to 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 check it out or on amazon prime um what would you guys recommend you go first Connor. <laughs> we'll oh, do why top I, three why, why am i in the spot man <laughs> um well See this? Yeah, you get get into like interesting number one, challenging stuff, challenging stuff. Uh, I know Wade's got his list ready. So I'm gonna have to say, I mean, like One Punch. I mean, like recent stuff. One Punch has to be up there. Wade's nodding right now. Just just for the just for the production and art value alone. I mean, like from. And what's it? One Punch Man? One Punch Man, Man. yeah. Okay, so One Punch Man. Wade, would you agree with that as number one? No, no, that's not, it's not my, it's not even in my top three, but it's, it should, like, it's not surprising because it's an awesome, it's like, it's super awesome. It's really, really good. Like, you're, you're, again, like, it's not, it's not weird, it's not like weird, exceedingly weird. So One Punch Man. I I, I think, I think you, I think you could get somebody drawn in into it you know like if you if, if, if that's the you know like again maybe the litmus test like if somebody can sit through this maybe this is a, this is a worthwhile exercise so one punch man is your number one recommendation and, and how would somebody consume that you can actually go on netflix and get one punch man one punch man is on netflix it's right on now. netflix all right yeah. so okay so that's number one and what about two and three? Oh, two and three um is it is it as unpopular? I would have to say Mob Psychos in there too. Mob Psychos, Mob Psycho, which is funny because the prote- the, the main protagonist looks exactly like Saitama, except he has hair. Like who? Uh, Saitama is uh, he's the main one character punch man's of real uh, name. One Punch Man. Oh, okay. What was it? Saitama. Saitama. I can't remember what his last name is supposed is to be. Is that is that his the direct translation of his name in Japanese? That is his Japanese name. Does he call it that in the show, or is he called yeah, One no, Punch Man in the show? I'm because it's subtitled, right? No, the, the actually, so really, the, no one in the series actually calls him One Punch Man. Yeah, it's Saitaman. Okay. They, they call him by his he, actual. He, he, okay. Yeah, because part of part of part of part of the stick of One Punch Man is that effectively no one respects him, even though he is the single most powerful being on the entire. Because they don't know. Because they don't know. Because it's over so quick. A lot of the time, they, they can't. They never see him in action. Sure. You know, it's like God. The the most the most the best thing God can do is make it look like He's not there at all. And what about number three? Um, see, yeah, you, you get into the number three because again, like, see, you 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 drop into your your. Uh, you can pick one of those obscure ones. Yeah, definitely. I, why not? I think people people that are listening week to week, Gunner, when they l- hear your voice, they may expect something obscure. So don't shy away. Hmm. Because it's like what was that one that you mentioned from the 
It was was you said it was from the nineties. Oh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. <laughs> no, that is the that's no. like me recommending Serial Experiments Lane. You know, like it's a, both yeah both the only two things those series have in common is that both after after both were done, everyone that worked on it either like had to be put on suicide watch or just spent like a year trying to find themselves as human beings again because they were just so goddamn depressed. Okay, so we're not recommending that one. Um. Yeah, trying to think, I'm trying to think. Kind of out of the left field, but just in you know, just kind of an just kind of an interesting character study thing. Here, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? Is we super? Can I silence. play the Jeopardy theme? Yes. During this part, <laughs> can I can I download and play? Um. Trying to think of stuff that you actually could find on a regular basis. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off and go to wait soon. Uh, uh, you're gonna lose your third. Uh, I might throw out. I mean, like you know, you have, you have Hero Academia. I'm actually think I'm actually thinking something completely out of left field. I might say Jellyfish Princess. Jellyfish Princess. Number three. Wade's not, turning not, his head out thinking he's never not seen that one before. Not seen it. All right. So, so, so those are Gunner's three recommendations. And uh, how about you, Wade? <sighs> okay. So I'm going to go with the first one. These are all just because I think they're badass, so you may or may not like them. But uh, Claymore would probably be the first one I would uh, suggest. Very, very strong female protagonist. Uh, in fact, all of like the... The badasses in the series are female for the most part. There are some like, but it's like kind of set in a medieval kind of setting, and um, there's like monsters and stuff. It's it's cool though. It's very very cool. I like the animation style. Um, some kind of interesting character development, how characters are developed. Uh, but that would probably be one. Of, that'd be one. Um, is that now? Is that a Crunchyroll, a Netflix? You can now get Claymore on Crunchyroll. Yes. Okay. Now here's the deal: if you wanted to find pretty much any anime that's not like crazy, crazy obscure, you can probably go on YouTube and, and get some of these. So you'd be able to find at least a few episodes, maybe yeah. more. Yeah, just you by, should be able to find some content. Crawl on sure. YouTube. Yeah, no doubt. Okay. Um, number two, just for uh, just to see how um, Japanese anime is based off of. Maybe not real events, but potentially historical events. There's an anime called uh, Death Frenzy, and it's very realistic. Um, there's no magic or crap like that. It's about samurai and corruption, and there are a lot. It's it's a loaded. Actually, I was sh- samurai shampoo. I might have to. I might have to. I might have to squeeze in. Samurai shampoo is really good. Samurai shampoo. Samurai shampoo is actually probably that's very like that actually. That would definitely appeal to Westerners, like for sure. Like that's actually, yeah, that's not a bad, that's not a bad one. Uh, that won't be my one, but for Gunner's three slash four spot, it's a that's a that would be a good one to get into. I think it's it would be easy for Westerners to embrace the characters or whatever because there's a Western style character kind of in it. Um, number three, whew, it's always you get to the last one. Um, I'm going to go with Bleach, and there are some fillers. One of the problems with a lot of these Bleach shonen... Bleach has so much filler. I know. There's a lot of filler. 
But if you strip, if you could somehow strip down the filler, because these, these arcs that when you say filler, so filler I'm using is synonymous with arc. So character arcs. I am not caught. I am not caught up to the manga yet. The manga has not happened. So I am so strong. Here's here's an example. Um, in The Walking Dead, you could say. The, the prison season was filler. Yes, the prison season was filler, but it was also, you could call that an arc. It was It's like an underlying story that happens through many different episodes. So in Bleach, there are, there are stuff, in, stuff in the anime that, as far as I know, were not in the manga. They just did it to fill up space. To get more episodes. To get more episodes and for the manga to catch up, essentially. Um, but Bleach is pretty cool. Uh, the characters kind of, they change, but they don't change. It's I'd say check Bleach out. It's pretty easy to consume. It's a lot of like battle, you know. There's a lot of violence, stuff like that. But it's it's like you don't I mean, really if, have to get that, too involved in it. I mean, if that's your criteria, I mean, like you're gonna say Berserk falls into the same. I fucking right? love Berserk. <laughs> Berserk's really good, but the animation's kind of trash, and I'm not no, sure how I feel about the new the new seasons that are out. Berserk is not nice. <laughs> no, you should see like Berserk actually on Netflix. There, there's a three-part Berserk essentially movie. It's like the precursor, like the pre-story before the series actually started. It's uh, it's intense. Go check that out if you like intense shit because it's pretty intense. And that is also one of the ones where the guy who made it has to take breaks because he just has questions about like the the, the futility and the value of human life in general afterwards after thinking about this stuff. What's his face? Um... Well, actually, you know, we talk about. Actually, you want to talk about weird anime stuff? Uh, Netflix, Devil Man Crybaby. I've not Devil Man Crybaby. Oh yeah, well, Devil Man was a super super ultra. I, I haven't seen it on Netflix. Is it is is they ultra just, violent and gory? They just, they, is yes, the, they just. Well, actually, Netflix just remade it. Like with the gore and shit, they made they made it completely new. Yes, it is. It is. It is just. It is actually worse. Is that? Two shows or one? No, no that is one show. one show. So, so there, there are different. So, yeah, and I guess spoil spoiler alert because effectively all of them, all of them are canon. Or you see, you see, all of them are the same story because the premise is, is that effectively every series is spoiler alert Satan going through these re- reincarnation cycles. Trying to learn his, you know, basically God trying to teach Satan a lesson of why creation, you know, like why why human life is valuable, and it's just all the suffering that you know, like again. So it's like something horrible happens, reboot, start over again. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking at the uh, the Netflix uh, the the thumbnail of the trailer, and it has something that looks like a Batman logo with. Maybe a another bat on its head. I'm guessing it's some satanic being. Um, and it's, it says, Devil Man Crybaby, with demons reawakened and humanity in turmoil, a sensitive demon boy is led into a brutal, degenerate war against evil by his mysterious friend, Ryo. Now, when you say that this was redone by Netflix, did Netflix go to the Japanese mm. animation studios, or did they do it themselves? No, they paid. So they, they, the so they, it was, it was, it was, was it probably Aniplex. No, it's it's, it's done by it's it is done by, by a Japanese animation studio. But yes, oh, Netflix paid to have this series made. 
What's crazy? When I say it's like remade, like this isn't the not. exact like remake. It's not like a. It's not going to be word for word how it was written or whatever. But why it's surprising to me? So, a friend of all of ours, uh, Ken, who we'll have on the show eventually, he actually got me into Devil Man, and I rem- it blew my fucking mind when I saw. It. I mean, I'd never seen <laughs> bodies <laughs> burst and fall apart like on screen in an animated form it was super super gory so it's kind of actually shocking that uh netflix would invest in something that gory although then again they invested in they're they're showing the the berserk uh the three-part berserk movies and those are pretty those are pretty explicit on their own um berserk is berserk is Equally is yeah up. yeah it's fucked up berserk's fucked up it's awesome but it, it's but it's you know and again it's it's one of these things because it's funny because like um, so Devil Man was originally written by a guy or a, a, a mega artist who goes by the pen name of Go Nagai and Go Nagai is funny because he t- he toggles back and forth between writing like innocent kind of kid friendly fare. Horribly fucked up, depraved, you know, examination of the the nature of human existence. Nice story. Oh fuck, you know, and actually, yes, because Devil Man, Devil Man is not actually even the worst one in that that whole thing. I would say that Violence Jack. I have not, which not is, heard of Violence Jack. There's a reason. Okay. So, you know, as we talk to our friend kids, and I make I make the comment sometimes that you know, not that I've freaking ever been real productive in my artistic output, but I think sometimes our friend Ken there got a. So there was a period in the '90s where comics were absolutely awful, and there was a whole bunch of things that consistently made them awful. And Ken identified them as the good things about comics, <laughs> and it's why our taste fundamentally breaks down sometimes. But Violence Jack is just. Violence Jack is the the actual artistic representation of so the apocalypse happened and things can't possibly get worse. Hold my beer. You know, just can't you know like full on, full on cannibalism. All, all just like fist rape, of the North rape, Star. Rape, 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 Scott, rape, rape squad while cannibalizing. All just yes, it's I gotcha. It's just excessive. You know, but it's also like there's what is it actually the the, the, the I guess effectively the premise of it too is that it's it's the idea that the worst thing in the apocalypse is not dying in it, it's surviving it. Sure, I'm glad you bring up dying because uh, are we done? Is like purchasing movies dead? Not to we're gonna move off subject here, but. I want to. Well, I want to ask, like, like when I talk about Netflix and and Crunchyroll and Amazon Prime, are we done like purchasing movies? Like, are we? Is that like? And uh, maybe not just purchasing movies. Period. Like, are we done owning things? Like, like actually identifying with owning things? Are things? Is everything going to a service based well, type of thing? You know, somebody came to me this week and they said, "I have this great idea." My idea is going to be when we have all these these DVDs and VHS or whatever, uh, Blu-rays um, at home, and I'm going to make a service where I work with all of the uh, all of the 
I don't know whoever owns the content, the content owners, I guess. Um, I'm going to make a service where I partner with them, and for a few dollars, you can convert it to digital. I'm like, okay, well, what you're describing is iTunes Match, right? Except for videos. And also, a lot of the videos that you buy come with that ultraviolet or whatever. It comes with a service yeah. where you can stream it if you want to. And, and the other thing is that you're he's talking about a something that's has diminishing returns because that industry is already dead, right? The industry of buying the movie, right? At least that's what we're describing. Maybe it is or maybe it's not. Um, that industry is dead and, and it's getting smaller because streaming is taking off. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay, you have a cool idea maybe 10 years ago, um, but it's even stranger. Like, like who actually owns what i use amazon a lot so there's a lot of stuff i don't have i don't have cable i have an antenna on my roof and i can record with that because i got a fancy thing set up for that but um there's not too much plays over the airwaves so what i end up doing is if there's something i really want i gotta go pay money for it and there's a few ways i can you know go to you know, a retail store and tr- hope that their DVD section has got it, right? And even in that case, it's gonna probably going to be a season behind if it's a TV show. If it's going to be a movie, it's not until um, it's it's released. And if it's a little bit older, they're not going to carry it anyways. If it's not that popular, they're not going to carry, carry it anyways. So what I do is I buy my stuff through Amazon. And I say that I buy it, right? But there was a... Uh, there was an incident, I think it was two years ago, although my timeline's probably off. And uh, there's a show, I think it's an ABC production called Prep and Landing, right? And Wade's shaking his head because he hasn't heard of it. But for those who do, it's it's something that's popular around the holidays. And it's these two elves, I believe they are. And um, I think there's something to do with them flying, which is where the name prep and landing come from. But these these two elves, it's it's a it's an it's a 3D animated, and ABC I believe it's an original ABC production, and it's something that ABC does to get people to sit down in front of the TV at a certain time. Well, what happened was the prep and landing uh, can also be sold on Amazon, and it's it's become so popular that people are going and they're buying it, even though it's going to be free come Christmas time, that they, they, they don't have a copy of it. They want to watch it. So people go and buy it. Well, uh, two things. What hit the news was ABC asked Amazon that they would not sell it while it was being aired, right? Now, this is fucked up because a, a number of the proceeds go to ABC. So why... Do they not want it? I and mean, the rating is really that important that they don't want people to actually buy it, right? It, that's very strange that they they say, "Hey, Amazon, sorry, pull it." But what really hit the news was they made a mistake, and of course, the Amazon subscriber or the, the, the people who bought it didn't know this, but Amazon fucked up. They not only took it out of the store, they took the product out of people's inventories, so they couldn't watch what they had already what they had already bought, right? It actually disappeared. So the concept that they owned it is actually gone. Amazon, but even worse, ABC had the power to take away a product that they had actually paid for. And it's not cheap, right? I mean, you buy a movie, it's like 
five, ten, fifteen dollars. You want HD version? It could be more. Well, you know, you get get into that. Um, it's so I have a bunch of games in Steam that I don't play. So Steam is Steam is basically the, the universal online store for getting PC games at this point. If you're still gonna try and engage in that fucking habit, um, so uh, Grand Theft Auto Four, or is it Grand Theft Auto or Grand Theft uh, One of the Grand Theft Autos? So there was an issue where Rockstar had the license for music to be played in the background, like their in-game radio stations, but it was for a, a limited time. So if you had the hard copy of the game, you kept the original soundtrack. But if you bought it through Steam, there was a patch pushed out that removed the music from the game itself. You can't actually keep... You, they can go back and retroactively alter the original license to the software that you bought. You, you get, and, and again, it's because it, it's it's... You know, one of these things where, like, you start getting to the point where piracy is not a matter of not willing to be being willing to pay for something. It is actually to maintain the functionality of the product that you originally bought the license for. Um, you know, you're back. You know, maybe back to the anime thing, but there is a whole issue in Japan where the license. You know, like you, you talk about, like why why it isn't so big over here versus why it isn't big over here over there. The licensing. As far as getting like permission to have like voice actor performances and music over here, is so bug fuck insane compared to anything that we do here that it's not even like there are literally you literally can buy two versions of the same media, and one of them is where the original publisher paid for the license. You you can have a version of it that the the, 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 the that you're paying the publisher. To purchase the license to actually use that original music and original voice in the release that you see versus they go and they still have it in Japanese, but they got a whole bunch of other people that are under the terms of the contracts that the voice actors signed. And it's that has got different music. And like there's two, there's tiers. There's tiers of experience for the same media, depending on how you want it, want it, want it. And it's one it's like this is how it was originally recorded, and this is the version that we're allowed to play back now. So it's like the Chinese knockoff. Yes, by the of, by the original manufacturer. Of, of a Japanese anime. Yeah, it's well, you know, but it's actually still Japanese. Well, because I don't know if you, 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 like many people, um, I don't know if I had the most functional relationship with my father growing up, but we, you know, like some people played ball. We watched television and movies together. Um, but there was a TV series that was on when I was growing up called uh, WKRP, which is basically this, you know, like as it was a sitcom, but it's about like all these guys, all these DJs that work at this radio station in Cincinnati. And one of the big premises of WKRP was that the background music played a very big part of how the show was put together. And, it was in release hell for probably twenty years, and even when they did, they they, they like they, they kind of, kind of negotiate. But when they originally filmed the television series, they had the rights to do all these to have all this like real music in the background, but they didn't have the rights to reproduce it when it came to DVD or rebroadcast afterwards. So they had to go back and basically rebuild 
the entire soundtrack, you know, like the, the soundscape of this television series because they couldn't have this copyrighted music in the background, even though it was originally recorded with all of this material and it was licensed. It's just if it isn't through the right hole, if it isn't through the right hole in the right sheet, it doesn't become, it, it, you know, it's not legit anymore. And it's it, again, it's just, it's just, it's just copyright was not supposed to be Calvin Ball. You know, it's it, it was just we give you know we understand that you put a bunch of effort into making this thing. We respect you know like the government respects it blah blah blah. I mean like never mind that we're we're a nation built on thieves anyways. But you know like copyright copyright was supposed to be just we 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 give you this exclusive block for this period of time. You know, and it, it's also you know like it, it wasn't it what. It, it's one of these things where I don't know if the you know like we talk about like the the end to own and stuff, but it's also like this may be a legitimate point where the legal framework that was originally established was never never thought you know like it does not map out to this concept of okay effectively we can have this stuff that actually does exist in perpetuity. As I'm trying to roll over Wade, and he's giving me the eyes. No, not at all. I, I, I guess because when you bring up copyrights and things like that, it's like, what was the initial intention? Like, how much are you allowed to make off of a piece of art? As much uh, as you want, as well, much I, as you need. I, I, I would, I would guess that it was mostly around brand awareness, because if, if, if the brand was all you had, then it would be too easy for somebody to sell something with that brand and make money off of it, right? So it was really about making sure that people knew your brand was your brand. And, um, of course, you know, for example, if I want to sell cola and, and I make a great tasting cola, I could be very successful by putting it in a bottle that, that's shaped like a Coca-Cola bottle that looks like it has... Um, a Coca-Cola logo. It doesn't even need to say Coca-Cola on it. It could say soda. But if it's in the right font, if it's in the right color red, and if the bottle's the right color green, it's going to sell as if it's Coke because people are going to recognize it and they're going to buy it. So I, I think that there's that there's always a you always want to protect somebody for for lack of better word a good invention. Although it's really a good product, you want to protect somebody that has a good product that has really relies on its brand in order to be recognized in the wild. Um, but I also think it's gotten too far. Like, uh, don't I, you feel like at this point, like it's kind of, it's holding the like certain mediums back. It is, it is. Um, and you have, um, I think it's the original Mickey mouse, not the one that we know today, but the original Mickey mouse, I believe in 2020 finally becomes a terrifying one. Scary hell mouse becomes public property. (laughs) Yeah. He becomes public domain. And what that means is is that anybody could use him for anything, but it's only the original form. I think, I think that this is the perfect opportunity to kill two birds with one stone as it were. And Re reimagine original Mickey Mouse is the a member of is a a leading character in some space opera thing called Far Far Wars or Space Battle Adventure. And and, and the other thing is is that you really don't own a lot of these things anyways. Um, they re- nobody really wants you to own a copy of a movie. They want you to be licensed to consume that copy of the movie. And that's where the 
that's where the, the streaming is getting interesting because now they can control consumption. Before, they'd sell the product and you'd be licensed, but you'd have an unlimited license to the content. Now, if you read the terms of service in Amazon, and this is why this is why uh, prep and landing was such a big problem. When people went back and actually read what they had agreed to when they started using Amazon's video service, Amazon says in there that they're allowed to revoke that license at any time that they want to. Now, in this case, it was a mistake, and Amazon did apologize. I believe they even credited the people that were. Um, that were uh, they had the, the the movie taken away from them for for a week or however long it was. So they did they did a PR to try to fix this problem, but it doesn't escape the fact that they were allowed to and w- even within a contract that you agreed to, which I don't I don't believe is a fair contract. I don't think anybody reads these things. I don't think anybody with any reasonable expectation would say, yeah, sure, you can take my stuff away. It's like Walmart saying, okay, you just came in and you just bought season three of The Walking Dead, but if we want to, we're going to break into your house and take it back. Nobody would say yes to that. But when it comes to digital content, you do. But another thing about digital content I find interesting is even if you quote unquote own it, right, which really you're licensed to it, if this were a game, right, you go back maybe with the game consoles, it's something that's very tangible, it's easy to understand. If I buy, if I went back and bought the original Nintendo with the original Super Mario Brothers, everybody knows the game. It's the classic game. He runs from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen. He gets a mushroom and he gets bigger. What happens is when I bought that Nintendo, it came with a, I got a license to play that video game. And if I want to, I can actually turn around and I can sell that console and or the game and somebody else can take that license. What you're not really supposed to do is if you're really good with electronics, you're not supposed to make a copy of that game. Uh, but for the most part, the license is transferred to the next person that 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 receives that game. And you can still see today, you go to um, you go to Craigslist, you go to Facebook garage sale, you go to real garage sales. People are still selling Nintendo games, right? There's our, our mall, um, our, one of our local malls here has has a, an actual store with just video games. All the guy does is just get these games for like a dollar, resells them for like seven, ten. Some of them are like a limited edition gold-plated Nintendo video game, and he could sell them for a lot more because they've become a collectible. But the license is transferred. It's transferred when you sell it to the guy at the store, and then it's transferred to the next person that buys it. My question for you, Gunner, and for you, Wade, and for everybody else out there is, what happens when, when Gunner wants to sell his fucking Steam collection? What happens when I want his copy of Grand Theft Auto 4 or 5 or 10 or whatever the next game is? What happens when I want that from Gunner? How do I buy that off of him? Now, when Steam first started, um, from my understanding of it, it was kind of a side project that that Valve was doing, the creators of the Half-Life game, and also, I believe, the the company that eventually took over the Counter-Strike game. And then they they rebranded themselves as, as, as Steam. Well... When it when it came to that, you could actually buy. You could still buy the game in in a store, and it had a product key on the back. And the product key was your license and your entitlement. But once you put it into your Steam account, it was there. It was tied to your account. What if I want to transfer my games to somebody? How do they get a license to that? 
I mean, we could tie this back into last uh, last week's topic, which was cryptocurrency and specific keys or whatever. Once you once you burn up the hash or whatever, it's it's gone. Like, could there be some sort of a company that generated new well, keys to do that? Like, could well, that be a new? <laughs> I mean, like you know, there, in theory, there is a mechanism to transfer you know transfer a game between libraries and Steam. You know whether how you how 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 you get paid is is your own discretion, but you know that's actually so. There's a I can't I can't remember the name of the actual software company, but there's a there's another there 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 is one other competitor in the general PC store sense, and they're not really the same scale, but it's called a Good Old Games or GOG dot com, and uh, the the the, part, the parent company there is more famous for being the, the makers of uh, the Witcher series. But, project uh, CD. Yeah, pro- project. Yeah, project crisis. Anyways, um, so good old games. You're saying they games. have a solution to this problem? Well, actually, yeah, they just sell games without. They they sell games without DRM attached. So you basically you download the game, you you own it. Right. You right. know, and there's but, there's some over, there's some but overlap. To that, but to that that might work for good old games. I don't know what their most popular game is and how many people play it. But does that scale to you know the Fortnites of the world where? You may find that nobody will pay for it because it's so accessible, right? Well, I mean, no, the but, license but, 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 is there for a good reason. But for, Fortnite, you know, and again, so this this gets into the whole idea of games are actually one of the most aggressive areas where you have that concept of called software as a service starting to roll out because, you know, you have huge chunks of functionality that are tied into that that whole online space or you know like the the you know your developer you know actually that's where what, like what scumbag really developers ta- sorry to interrupt you but what you're really talking about when you say software as a service i don't think i think a lot of people don't know what you mean by that what you're really saying is subscription-based video gaming right is that what you're talking about where it the service continues Therefore, your license is not perpetual. And by perpetual, I mean, you know, when I bought my first copy of, of Counter-Strike or Half-Life, I owned that license for life. But when the software is a service, then somebody's still got to be there updating the content. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it's even more insidious, insidious than that because what, what it comes down to is that you pay full retail price okay. for a game. Mm-hmm. But there are huge chunks of it that are either tied to this online component, you know, uh, uh, either you have to go through their authentication servers or something like that, or uh, they insert gambling machines into it via microtransaction and loot boxes and all that stuff. And it's like, so you're paying $60, $70 for a game, and then they're depending on this continuous revenue right. stream in, in from order to nickel and diamond. Play it, you to need d- an expansion pack to buy, or you need to consume some type of uh, commercial advertisement to continue. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've, yeah. And then I, as, I, as, soon, as, soon, and as soon as they turn off the server, Effectively huge, like they're they're you know again like there are third party projects right now. Actually, one of the big things right now is that there was a there uh, what are they called Windows for games for Windows Live or something like that. So, so Microsoft had their own third party, you know, basically their own authentication service that they just decided to end, like Zoom, you know, like their their Zoom Music service or whatever. And there was this whole scramble to patch. Get, you know, if you were lucky and you were a big developer, maybe you could go back and patch 
your game to function without games for Windows Live. Right. But if you were like a third, if you were a third party that you know, like to to quote Animal House, you fucked up. And you this, trusted us. This problem you're describing, the same problem happened with Adobe. Actually, Adobe is the company that owns Acrobat, and Acrobat is the preferred. If you if you're a desktop user, <laughs> if you're not, then you might have never heard of Acrobat. But um, Acrobat is is the preferred viewer, printer, and even editor. If you go into the Acrobat, uh, the Acrobat professional. But what happened was. Um, not only the Acrobat, but also well, Photoshop is probably what they're more famous for now. Um, Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Acrobat Professional, um, as well as a few other products like Adobe Premiere, uh, they all used, just like you're describing, Gunner, they used a licensing server that Adobe decided needed to be decommissioned. And Adobe's approach at this, I don't know if you, if you remember, but Adobe's approach at this was very, very interesting. They said if you create an account at adobe.com, you could just download it and we'll give you the product key. So all of the old product catalog, they said, we're not going to deal with this. This is going to be a nightmare. It's going to be a support nightmare. Um, like you said, with the Microsoft, they scrambled to, to patch it in. In the case of Adobe, they said, no, you know what? We have perpetual keys. You can have one. And everybody, I mean, anybody that was that that's stuck on these old versions, we're talking. These are old, like Adobe Photoshop CS2, um, Adobe Acrobat Professional 8. These are old pieces of software now. Most of them won't even run if you're on a Windows 10 machine. You can't even get it to run. Um, they're so old, or, or or it's tricky to get them to run. But yeah, similar situation. And Adobe's strategy was to give it away, but it can easily be abused. Anybody today can go to their website, they can register an account, <laughs> and they can have licensed software that they didn't pay for. And well, they have to you know, they have to say, well, how much are we going to lose? What's well, the revenue we're going to lose because of potential customers? You know, and, and on the flip side of that, too, is that Adobe, you know, when Adobe went to the creative cloud there, I mean, they... For the most part, there wasn't anybody who was who was really in a position to go toe to toe with them on any of the, the the big products in their suite, and that that it's you know like not to say that from a feature set that there weren't people that could do it, but it's it's like effectively that's actually what's driving the success of their competitors is people just don't want to deal with that. Like that licensing model is maybe one bridge to, you know, like they're still kind of shaking out on it. I mean, they're making a butt ton of money, but it's like Oracle. It's not, you're not, you're not pulling in new users when you have to. It's that people who are stuck with it. And if you're not stuck with it, people are actively investigating and settling on the alternatives because. So I, I know some photographers um, and I believe they they use the subscription model for Adobe, and I think it's a little bit cheaper for them. So Adobe actually priced, like for Photoshop, for example, they priced um, Photoshop and Lightroom are the two big ones for the photographers that I talked to. They actually priced it competitively. So if you were to buy like the, the latest and greatest of the product off of the shelf, it would be slightly more. If you were to buy it each year, each two years that it comes out, it would be slightly more than if you pay them a monthly subscription fee to have access to the latest. So that model has actually been largely successful for them. Well, but what's cool about that is is that you usually want to be on the latest, right? Mm -hmm. Especially like if you're dealing with color profiles and raw images and, you, you, you know, there's there's the industry is a changing industry. And six months later, 
the feature in Photoshop might be critical for, for your job as a photographer. What's nice about the subscription model is you, if all of a sudden, two months later, the, the photography business isn't doing so well and you find yourself doing something else in the industry, you've only spent two months worth of subscription instead of going and buying the five $600 product off of the shelf. So from a consumer perspective, not owning it does have some advantages. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it's all it's all dependent upon. But you know, the, but but even as I as I totally wall overweight like a dick, um, but it, it it's like arguing like, well, I only need I only need this wrench like maybe two times a year, so you know, like I at least with the wrench, you have the alternative of getting the shitty Harbor Freight one. This is. Well, I guess I'm. I guess I, I guess I'm borrow. You know, like you're borrowing it from. That's that's how my neighbors do it. From they you? knock on my door, and they say, "You have a wrench that I would never want to pay for, and I would like to use it." And they do, and they borrow it and they give it back. It works fairly well. And at the the same token, there's things that they have that I don't feel is worth keeping on hand. So in some cases, the borrowing does work, but it does it. It does come with an inconvenience. You have to be friendly. <laughs> in the case of borrowing a tool, mm-hmm. you have to be friendly with a person that has it. Um, you also have to be willing to, if you're going to borrow from them, you have to be willing to lend as well. So, but, you, but you know, but again, again, that that's that's that is a that is a legally permissible framework as opposed to I have this bunch of imaginary numbers that I've saved to clouds of spinning rust, and you know, like. Only one person's going to have seat time on the, you know, like, because I would, if they'd at least given me the option, because this is actually the problem, is that I have the same issue with Autodesk, because, like, all, all, there's a bunch of tools that Autodesk phased out, like, at the start of last year, because you could download them directly. Because there used to be like kind of a de- you know, like there used to be a demarcation like there was a full spread of here's our professional, here's our prosumer, here's and, our home stuff. And just for for those that don't know what Autodesk is, this is 3D software, right? Uh, I mean they have a whole bunch of I mean like they, they have a whole bunch of stuff. They're they're they have a pretty big portfolio, but they're 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 effectively like Adobe at this point. Like they they have they have wrapped up. That market to the largest uh, photo extent. editing, or? Uh, just just three D modeling, industrial so, yeah, so design. So like they, they have okay. they have they have they have the biggest single portfolio. They're the Photoshop for three D stuff. Yes. So okay. they they have they have Maya. They have three D Studio Max. All that stuff. Uh, my particular, but, but yes. So they had standalone ones that you could you know, like people were rushing to download, and they have gone. Uh, unmentionables deep on this whole software as a service thing. Like you can only subscribe. Like they have gone out of their way to buy better products just to move just them, to just them to either, just to shut them down, yeah. or to force them into this, this 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 software. You know, software as a service thing. And as part of it, they have crippled the functionality of these other products that they have bought. Like uh, kind of you know. Well, in my particular thing, so there was there was a there was a there was a piece of software from Germany called NetFab uh, Professional, and amongst its many other things was that it, it was 
It was the only standalone model repair suite that you could get. Because the problem, you know, like again, so you'll you'll get like when you when you when you make a model to 3D print, there are issues sometimes where effectively you don't actually make a model that's physically printed, you know, like that you can convert from this is a graphic to this is a 3D object because like they haven't closed stuff up. And Microsoft has an online tool that you can use to fix it, but that means that you gotta push your model out to the cloud. And if you have something that's proprietary and you don't want to share either because of criminal concerns or because it's an industrial thing that you're trying to fix. Um, too fucking bad, you know, and NetFab, at least if, you know, again, it was a paid, you know, it wasn't a cheap piece of software, but at least if you had the license and you got the license before the magic number tipped up and they decided that they weren't going to sell licenses anymore, you could kind of keep it. But yeah, at this point, there is not, there isn't anything. It's either you go in and open it up in Blender or something like that and try and figure out how to manually repair this. Blender being the free, the yeah. free th- 3D program. Yes, the the the, op- the free is in speech and, and and usually in beer. But uh, you know, it, it, again, it's this. It was one thing. It was it's one thing if it's music, but it's another thing if it's the actual the tools that you are attempting to build the fucking thing with. You mad, bro? We must we must seize the means of production from the imperialist capitalist dogs. Um. So so the concept of ownership. Um. One thing I find interesting is, uh, like if you think about when somebody passes, they pass away. Usually what happens is they have a series of stuff they've collected, whether it's money, uh, materials, assets, furniture, or whatever. And then they have um, a pile of debt, right? And if the person owns enough stuff worth value, then the people that survive the deceased have to decide what to do with these assets, right? They might... Um, they, they for the first and foremost is the assets go to pay off the debt, but then after that you create something like an estate, and then you know whether it's fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, maybe more, you decide what to do with that estate. You might invest it, um, you might divvy it up between who is still alive. Well, just speaking personally from what I've consumed digitally. What I own digitally, I don't know what its value would be on the open market if I were to sell it, but every TV show that I buy now off of Amazon, and I buy quite a few TV shows off of Amazon, are $30 a piece, and the price has not gone down. It's only gone up um, since I've purchased these things. So there's there's got to be some point in time where uh, you know, if, 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 heaven forbid, I were to, dis- to, 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 to die, who gets... That who gets that digital content? Does it vanish? Does somebody have to, to to put a ticket in with with Amazon and say, "Hey, Amazon, I want all of his old stuff." Does Amazon have to play power of attorney? Do, do do they need somebody to play power of attorney? Is it just like fighting over the couch that's left in your parents' house when they die? I mean, this concept of ownership or lack thereof. Um, 
why is nobody talking about this? Is because, it because I mean, you're because like you said, like with Amazon and stuff like that, you don't own it. It's licensed to you, and when you die, you don't get to pass that license on. And that's it. It dies with you. And that's, I mean, ultimately, that's kind of how. You now that's how the consumer gets fucked. And, and <laughs> I guess if you look at it purely from a license perspective, I would agree, right? If you have a license to carry a pistol. Right, that doesn't get passed down to your son. The driver's license doesn't if, get passed to your son either. No, it doesn't. <laughs> if if you have a license to um to to uh, to fly a plane, um, I'm sure there's a better term for that. <laughs> but yeah, pilot's, pilot's license. license, right? Yeah, um, it, it doesn't get passed down to your family when when you die. But the the difference is is that those things were were not just bought, right? Those things aren't just a consumption license you know what i mean it's it's the strange ter- it's a strange territory and nobody's talking about it but there could be a, a person like me by the time you know I, I, hopefully i live until 70 80 90 100 maybe um by then how many thousands of dollars worth of electronic content and we could see today i mean we grew up with the nintendo you still can't get Super Mario Brothers, you cannot get it for free. There's no way to get it for free. A guy actually reverse engineered it. He was able to recreate the whole thing so that it could run in the web browser. You could play it on your phone. You could play it um, um, on your home computer. And you just go to a website. And at the time, it was like, um, I think it was fullscreenmario.com. Don't go there now because it's shut down. I think he still pays for the domain, but there's a big like a cease and desist on there. Oh, Nintendo definitely go after that ass. No yeah, doubt. Nintendo shut him down. Um, so even today, you can't get that game for free. It's because Nintendo still perceives it being worth money. So if all these things that we are licensed to are worth money, they're still worth money today. Um, you know what happens to them? And why can't I sell them? Why can't I transfer them? Why can't I trade a movie with you on Amazon? I can trade a book. Because right. they would, I mean, the argument is, well, we're protecting the artist, we're protecting the publisher, we're protecting the distributor, which is also kind of garbage because there's not really much distribution. You're throwing it in the cloud and making copies for everyone. You're doing exactly what they don't want you to do. So, so, but, and I guess here's the thing is that, I guess even, even that, so you can make, you can make the case that. The physical media thing was an aberration of the time because it was the only way, you know it was the only way that you could actually get media out is actually physically encapsulating it and delivering it something. And I think that that's horseshit. But I mean, like you know, there 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 is an there is there is an argument to be the util, you know the utilitarian trade off of you know with the, the with the presence of ubiquitous network connections and stuff like that. Why am I actually saving you know Why am I actually saving physical artifacts? Yeah. What about the bullshit where you can't even have the physical art? You don't actually even own the physical artifact that displays the media. What are you describing? I'm talking about when your $900 iPhone bricks itself because you replaced it with a screen from the original provider. (laughs) Because the very nice company that makes that particular thing has a security key embedded into their screen that doesn't even recognize the validity of their own hardware. You're talking about right to repair. I'm talking about right to repair. 
I'm talking about just general don't. It's like. And was there, wasn't there legislation passed on that? Uh, it's kind of piecemeal at this point. I mean, you know, again, uh, uh, New York State, they, you know, we, amongst the many problems that we have in the state, at least generally, uh, we, we still kind of follow the American truism that after we've exhausted every other option, we will do the right thing. And, uh, yeah, because, you know, hopefully between them and California, we get Apple, we get Apple and just electronics manufacturers to cut that shit out but you know you, you, hope springs eternal because it, it's 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 the it's there is this whole drive to just make everything black boxes at this point and and the right to repair movement is largely uh, it's actually not driven by the cell phones, although that's what most consumers would think, right? It's driven by the automotive industry, right? It's What's the by, well, story it's, behind it's, that? It, even you have the automotive. Well, yeah, because again, it's that effectively the automotive industry is attempting to do the same BS where steam is, where it's this, or I should say steam, because it's not steam. Steam has been relatively unonorous in their licensing terms, but they, they want. The automotive industry is attempting to bring physical artifacts into the subscription model by forcing you to go back to specially approved dealers with their own with their unique proprietary tools to go and get the electronic, you know, get the the diagnostic data off of the car so they can attempt to repair it. And there was a very big push for a while that the parts them, you know, like again, like you Luxury automobiles have kind of had this problem for a while, but they're going, you know, like if, if, if you do not sit on them, they're going to do it with everything. But you have things that have no right whatsoever being part of a computer network, being part of like, you know, like you, you have, you have a situation there, there are cars that effectively they are scrapped right now. If you nick a wire in a harness because the cost to repair it is in excess of, of its value. Of its value. But yes, because part of what, what, what that is, is that it, it is, you have the car negotiating, opening a network connection with the headlights to determine if the headlights are, are legitimate headlights that were licensed by the original provider to fit in that socket. Why yeah, am I asking sounds, if my light bulbs are, why am I asking if my light bulbs are okay? That sounds pretty terrible. Um, John, you know, it actually, it actually sounds nightmarish. And right. BMW, BMW was really trying to go for the whole sealed box. Like they you know, you don't, you don't have a dipstick in their cars anymore. They were seriously talking about not even being able, configuring so that you could not open the hood, that you had to go to a, a approved service. Yeah, that sounds that sounds nightmarish. Um, yeah, and somebody there does need to be a movement against that because if not, then you lose. You lose the ability to you, you really lose the ability to do anything to what you own, and I guess it's if, as long as there's a dealership around the corner that can assist you, um, you can get out of that situation. But um, uh, John, I mean, like I don't. There's John, not John even Gere. a guarantee. There's not even a guarantee the dealerships are going to be around, right? Yes. Oh, uh, you know they're trying to they're trying to cut the guts out of them, but. It, 
uh, John Deere, who is like the one, you know, I mean, besides yards, you know, yard equipment, everything. I'm like, their big thing is industrial tractors. Caterpillar is the same thing. But John Deere has been, have, there's been like knockdown, drag out fights for the last 20 years because John Deere went to the IBM licensing model for how their tractors are set up. We're effectively. And what's that? So, all for the most part, all John Deere tractors ship with all of the physical options actually present on the vehicle or the tractor itself. And depending on how much money you paid for the, that model tractor at the dealership, you have your bronze tier. So, your so name platinum. one feature that would be turned off on a tractor by what I assume you're describing as it's turned off with a switch or software that's only accessible by the dealership. What Name, name like a, a tractor feature. You and I buy the same tractor. I spent 10000 more might, or $20,000 I might, I might want an interface that lets me talk to GPS to plot out my like how I, how I travel through a field or something like that. Or you can have, uh, you can have different power performance modes so that you, you do less disturbance to the topsoil while you're driving. You know, like, again, it, it's because more and more it kind of goes back to this idea, you know, more and more the, the, the features of, a, of an object are not determined by its physical properties. It is the control system that's sitting on top of it. You know, it's the, it's the computer basically inducing behaviors in the system as opposed to it just being all mechanical. Right, right, and it's a it's a convenient way it's a convenient way of you know segmenting stuff if you can if I can make if I can make the same device and just change its behavior based on what software it's running it's a convenient way of minimizing the cost of production and whatever but the problem with that is that you have to go through all of these loop these loops to basically prevent people from loading the better software. Onto right. the same device. Right, right, right. Yeah. And what's happening is, in that case, I think what you're describing is the licensing, the licensing, the feature licensing ends up getting in the way of basic repair. And that's when, that's when it's, it's gone too far. And that's when the concept of ownership is very vague because I don't know. Yes, I own this piece of hardware, but I don't know what parts of it I actually own enough to call my own to be able to you know, replace a bulb. <laughs> you know, but the, 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 even you even get to that point. It's like we have, uh, we, you know, maybe the software is a service thing, but you, you have services that you pay for from other people or from other companies and as part of that term the company is consuming your resources to make money for their business like you know like comcast with their public wi-fi network where they're basically they're using they're using your x you know they're using your uplink as part of their network and they can say that that's well, you know, you're not charging. Time you're Warner not being, does. You're or not being, yeah, Spectrum. They do something similar, right? You're not being charged. You know, you're not being charged for that bandwidth or whatever. But it's like, well, that's great. But my power, you know, like you're 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 using you're using my power to subsidize your local repeater node or something See, like that. That doesn't bother me as much as it does that there's this cool kids club. 
Um, so you're ta- what you're talking about is there's a feature that a lot of the cable providers are offering now where if you happen to have, and interject if I'm wrong here, if you happen to have the, the Wi-Fi, your home Wi-Fi or your business Wi-Fi is provided by this cable company, it will allow other people who also have that same cable provider with a special app on their phone to use the internet, to roam on other people's internet. Now, th- there's one reason I like this. The reason I like this is because I'm sick of watching people hurdle or hurdle, <laughs> huddle around a McDonald's because it's the only place they can get on the internet. I think that this is I don't know how we're still there where you need a hundred dollar a month data plan in order to consume the internet. And the internet at this point is really a utility, right? You don't have to do this with electricity. You don't have to, if you walk into a building, Yet. you need to use a charger. No, never. Yet. Ever. Um, I mean, you have, somebody has to pay for it, but you, you wouldn't expect to pay for it in a public place. You would expect that place to do it. Um, so I I like the idea uh, of the shared internet. That doesn't mean I want ten people outside of my house streaming Netflix and consuming all of my internet. But what what I don't like about what Comcast and Spectrum are doing is I don't like the Cool Kids Club because it's not like you can choose Comcast, right? Most of the time, you choose Comcast because that's the only thing offered in your area if you're lucky you might get two options yeah we live there's only there's one option there's not you can get spectrum or you can try and roll the dice with a like a dish or dish network which e-a-b-o-d yeah i don't always use the internet but when i do i prefer to do my uploads on a phone line and my downloads on a satellite dish yeah a satellite dish uh just a Spoiler alert, folks, we don't have many sunny days around here. It's not like it's nice weather or anything like that, and dishes uh, are affected by that. So it's really not truly an option. Um, one option, which it's it's a dying option because phone lines are becoming less common to a household, is, is phone internet. And people are thinking of dial-up, but actually uh, DSL. Well, yeah, DSL but, internet, but, is, but is, DSL is, internet is still. What are we talking? One a, fifth, one tenth. Well, it's crazy. It's someone, someone who's regularly struggling with this reality because they decided to be one a computer geek and to move out to the goddamn boonies. So, is that what you use, Gunner? Is DSL? We have DSL, but uh, uh, the problem with that is that um, it depends how close you are to the. Well, home it depends base, on how right? close. So, at, at, at best. It's maybe two. The business line that we had is at two megabits. Jesus Christ! Uh, actually, right now it and is wait, at we're, points, we're on thirty is, in this. It is at point, or three hundred here, right? Four hundred. Four hundred. Right yeah. now, at best, it does point one eight to point three megabits a second, because the problem is is that um, most of the DSL providers, if you are not in a highly packed urban center have basically abandoned any maintenance on their equipment and they're oversubscribing the, the, the DSLAM device, which is basically the uplink that lets your phone line perform, a, you know, be used as a digital subscriber line, DSL. Uh, you know, but they have, they so 
we had a separate business line, but for whatever reason, damage to the equipment, something like that, we went from that 2 megabit uplink, that 2 megabit download, to 0.18 megabit download on our uh, on a business line, which has guaranteed quality yeah. of service. So from 2 you to 0.18, you said, not yes. 1.8, 0.18. 0.18. Like we we are it is it is effectively you're almost maybe two a and a fifth half. of a you're almost a fifth of a megabit yeah it's almost two and a half a fifty six k motor you're like living point. in the third world of fucking internet downloads it's space. A, it's an ISDN yes it's effectively an ISDN line <laughs> and that's but like this is a this is something that maybe it's it turns back pro- into something they're, they're, greater they're happy they're happy about their service that's sad but so, uh so yeah while i like the idea of this shared wi-fi i don't like the idea that you have to be part of a service that's not available to everyone i mean that means that the gunners of the world that are using dsl can never ever use a comcast or a Spectrum Wi-Fi device, <laughs> ever, right? Unless we buy, unless you buy a BS Spectrum or whatever account to, uh, you know, that you can't. You, you just you, you just pay them and you, you don't pay, actually so consume you can use someone any else's, other yes. services. Well, you, you pay for you, you pay it and then you consume someone else's. <laughs> Speaking Spectrum of account. Um, the 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 region of the United States that we're in, Spectrum is king. Um, Spectrum is the second largest. Uh, it's actually Charter Communications. Charter is the second largest cable provider in the United States, um, second to Comcast. Uh, and uh, in our area here in the U.S., uh, I forgot my train of thought. Spectrum, Internet, Comcast. Verizon gave up. Yeah. Uh, yeah Verizon I, didn't give up, and Verizon... Where we are, it's Verizon's still in Syracuse. Like they're still in the no, in Ver- urban areas. Talking about the Verizon FiOS. Yeah, FiOS. Yeah. Although the New York State Attorney General put put the boot to them pretty good about about that whole debacle too. Oh, I remember my train of thought. Yeah. So back to the ownership. Um, Spectrum from what I've been told, now offers a purely streaming service for television. Have you guys heard of this? No. And I, I don't know what channels come with it, but um, I've heard a few people uh, talk about it, but it's a purely streaming service for television. It works through the internet connection. I think it's 20 or $30 a month. Is it essentially um, like an on-demand, like a, like a beefed-up on-demand service? Yes, from my so, understanding, but it has live television as well, which is interesting because it, it, it kind of off-topic from lack of ownership um, or you know, loot the, you know, loss of the concept of ownership. But yeah, it's, it, there's actual live TV stations. There's a limited, a limited amount of them. It's at a lower cost. Uh, but I, I just find it interesting because uh, it is representative of a shift in the market. You know, we know that streaming is the future oh, of what television. The, what the heck was the name of that outfit that they had the the data center? They had data center in New York City with the rack of all the micro. You know, like the, the, because the, the, yeah. So what what Gunner's describing is um, 
Yeah, there was a there was a company very short lived. I don't even know if the name's worth looking up. He's looking it up right now. There was a company in New York City, and they realized that the way the FCC allows you to consume television, they really just is the way the law's written is you pretty much can put bunny ears. Um, bunny ears is a term for the old antenna that you used to use. They they don't even work anymore. But you could put bunny ears on top of a TV, and you could get the television, and you were licensed to consume over-the-air television as long as you could just pick it up. But the way that the FCC wanted to regulate it was uh, you needed that antenna. And what a guy in New York City realized was if he got a whole bunch of little tiny antennas, and when I say little tiny, you look up a picture of these things, they're like, like less than one inch, right? You get a whole bunch of these antennas, you put them on a board, you can actually lease the antenna. And in certain uh, you know, uh, cities where you have a really strong signal, each one of those an- antenna could pick up all of those channels. Uh, they could be tied to multiple tuners and you could actually lease streaming internet TV that would normally have been accessible over the airwaves. Um, and th- th- there's some problems with that. Some of the local broadcasting doesn't want their content broadcasted outside of their cities, um, which is just strange. A lot of it's really sports licensing, like um, like a like a Yankees game. They didn't want that stuff being broadcasted because they're making a lot of money by Yankees fans around the uh, around the United States, around the world, paying. To get what is the some Yankee network? Do you know what it's yes, called? Yes, yes network. Yeah, the network. Yes network. Um, so th- this guy kind of found a loophole around that by leasing the antennas, but he was uh, he was shut down. He was shut down. He, his operation was was deemed well illegal. Well, actually, no. So uh, retroactively, what happened is that after after he, his company had been like he he got drowned in lawsuits and everything else. Effectively, the legal schema that he was operating under was proven to actually be. Totally no, it, yes, it's that was totally legit. It was just that you know you talk about uh, Spectrum offering the service is that it was totally legit. But too bad we had more we had more money and lawyers than you, and now you know big players will replicate the exact service, and it's all it's 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 all cool because the other premise was is that there was the same you know like this the the there was a couple of mistakes in that lawsuit, and one of them was that effectively, the content, the the the, the channel owners that were complaining, there was an off, there was a legitimate offer made to say, hey, if you don't agree with this, we'll we'll pay you that you know like because the part of the premise was is that they they were arguing that it was either you were renting antennas, or it was a cable company, and if it was a cable company, cable companies have legal legal frameworks to negotiate carrying these channels on the back of them and the parties that were suing him basically realized that they had like overextended they hummed and they hemmed and hawed and dragged that out because they were like well fine if we're a cable company we want to be able to license this content like you would you would another cable provider here's our attorney here's the contract everything else yeah but at that point they're asking for forgiveness instead of permission well no because, uh, and because it's, it's it, undoubtable that they were that they were exploiting you know, he, they were really exploiting. They were taking advantage of a loophole. The, what they were doing is they were consuming the content, the content that the cable providers 
had to pay for, and they already had an agreement in existence that they had to pay for, and they were taking that content for free, really for free. Well, well no, but but, but without I, paying any licensing I, I, costs I guess, on it and reselling that. Content. I guess because really where this gets into tri- this gets into trip because again it's that hole in the sheet thing, is that if you live in an apartment complex that has antennas integrated into its structure, you're effectively renting the use of that antenna from the property owner and if if you i'm renting the uh, you know how how is the, how is the property owner ex, you know not under the same the same legal constraint because it's not your antenna it's the property owners and you're leasing well, the use of it well, from him I, I, well i would say i would say what comes what it comes down to is is you're actually not leasing the antenna the antenna is free in that case, it's free. And if what this guy did, if this guy got these 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 little one inch antenna, and if he if he offered this streaming service for free, it may have been you may have found it would be perceived differently. But the reality of the situation is, Gunner, it's a lot easier to run a bunch of coaxes to some rooms than it is to provide the ridiculous amounts of bandwidth to pump 1080p content or 1080i content or whatever they, they, they were picking up in New York City across, across a wide area network to all of the homes and all of the subscribers. This guy essentially would become a miniature YouTuber, a miniature Netflix because of so much streaming content. And in order to do that, he needed to charge money. So he was really creating a business model from stolen goods, or at least as that's as it was perceived. I thought it was creative. No, I, again, it was that he... But these same, these same people, right? These same people can get... They could have bought a, a $60 antenna, a one-time fee, plugged it into their laptop and did the same thing. You know, but it's... it's what is it? BBC Worldwide is kind of the same thing, though, right? You know, it's, it, it's you're effectively... You're effectively accessing a broadcast television service via the web... I mean, it's only meant for British consumers. I'm actually sure. I'm actually sure. You can tell that I haven't watched like real television in a long time because I'm so far out of the goddamn loop. But um, because the, the what is it, iPlayer or something like that? They're 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 online service, but I'm not familiar. But you know, because like, it's one of these things. Like you know, again, different places are weird. Like because in Britain, you actually you are required if you own a television to pay. A tax specifically on it to subsidize the continuation and pr- production of the British Broadcasting Corporation. I like and, their shows. Yes, there are some very good ones, and there are some very shit ones. And there are some but yeah, BBC shit. has some interesting licensing. Um, you know, BBC, I believe, was the company, I uh, company, <laughs> the organization that created the original Planet Earth series. Ye- well, ye- it was a Partner production, but yes, and the British version of it had a different narration. So yes, yeah, so we, they the had Eng- David than the U.S. version. So uh, in America, we had uh, Sigourney Weaver, and the British version had David Attenborough. And Sigourney Weaver is the the bald actress from Alien, right? Yeah, I mean she's done a lot of other stuff than that, but yes. Have you seen Alien before? I have seen Alien before. She was only bald in Alien Three, sir. She was a badass. She's a badass in in Aliens. Do you own that? Do you own the movie? 
or do you well, just until, have a license until, until to watch the, until, it? It's 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 Definitely in. You have a license to watch it. It's 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 in my mind. They can't take that out yet. So actually, here here you go, and I guess maybe this is you know the flip side because you know like not that we're really dealing with this yet, but you know we 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 really kind of got to hash some legal framework out here because pretty soon we're gonna be having this stuff talking directly to our brain, and. Uh, what, they're gonna they're gonna start making us forget it if we don't we don't pay our fucking subscription fee. Stop fidgeting. I'm gonna fidget all I want. <laughs> you don't own, you don't own me. Ta- talking about reading your brain. You don't own yeah, me. Talking about reading your brain. Um, was it MIT? The guy found um, a way to read the electric impulse from the. Uh, it's he, he like kind of puts it on the side of his head and it goes from I think his ear down to his jaw and if you. Pretend that you're talking, like you kind of like like whisper the words like under your breath. Some vocal speech. He can read the words and type them into a, a mind computer. Reader? Well, kind of. kind of. It's, it's, it's a vocal cord reader. It is okay, but it's, it's, it's just a, because you can move your vocal cords without without actually pushing like pushing airway. Air yeah. yeah. Well, actually, and it's one it's one of these weird things where effectively, if you. If you, you if you have your internal monologue, you know, or how you like, you're like I don't know, but you know, like your larynx is still actually forming phononyms, even if you are not actually vocabulating as it, or you know, like you're not speaking. And that's what they call they call it subvocal speech, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I mean, like, there's some error, cor- you know. But now that we, now that we've got like Google crazy AIs working on this problem, you know, pattern I, identification. Dude, I'm swearing stuff. all day long with my sub vocal speech. <laughs> like somebody somebody pisses me off. I don't want somebody listening in on that. I wonder how far away they can pick that up. Gunner pisses him off. Um, but it, it's well, and it, it, what you know, it's it's like the credit it's like the credit card reader, and you got the like the the EMF. Like oh, what they what do they call it? Uh, what happens when we don't own our own thoughts? Well, that's too bad. With that, we already we're already there. We're already there, man. You saw all that shit that happened with Russia and the robots and the fucking Facebook, Cambridge Analytica. So I crawl inside your brain. We're hitting the two-hour mark here. I want to pick. I want to do our last topic. The last topic was going to be burning the midnight oil, <laughs> but that shit is burnt because <laughs> we are here. We've been here two hours, so uh, I, I, can, I can cut that out. We, we, we did. We did actually technically burn it. We did. Bur- <laughs> we, we, we burnt past the midnight oil. But so thank you for uh, thank you for listening to us at least shorten our lives by another year. Uh <laughs> Thank you very much, folks, for listening in to episode three. We appreciate you uh, checking us out, and we hope to have you check us out next week. Uh, This is the Friendship Snake Podcast signing off. We'll see you later, guys. Bye. I was going to say, what what was the moral you learned this week, Wade? Jesus Christ. I don't know. I was going to say, like, so, Wade, what's the moral you learned this week?